Good morning. Is everybody all right? Thank you so much, Richard. Yeah, um, my name's Serge. If you don't know me, I am the worship intern here. You normally see it at the back, fiddling with stuff and on and on. And um, yeah, but it's a great privilege to be here with you this morning. And it's a great privilege to be speaking to you. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm so excited for this series. And, you know, I, I think it's so great. And I think so often as people of God and as followers of God, we can forget that God is actually in everything. God is in the big things as well as, as he is in the small things. You know, only on Friday, um, I, I was invited to Hampton Court Palace Chapel by my friend Rufus, who's just been a uh, made director of music there. So, you know, me and my friend went along and we thought, you know, this is going to be a nice historical event and this is going to be a nice, you know, free entry as well. So we, we weren't complaining. And we turn up in this chapel um, to this little prayer service he was running. And do you know what? God was so present there in this building that stood thousands and thousands and thousands of years and God's still there. And I think, I think that's just something to remember, you know, with these movies and anything we see, you know, God is in everything we do. I remember when we were at youth camp uh, not so long ago, but um, um, I remember every morning our youth leader made us pick something up for the ground. Now, that could be a twig, that could be a sweet wrapper, you know, that could be a bit of grass. But he made us lift it up, and every morning we said, thank you, God, for the small things. Thank you, God, for the things that we don't necessarily remember. Thank you, God, for the things that we don't necessarily recognize. And I think that's just really key to remember, you know, that God is in everything we do. So this morning, um, I went through DVD after DVD. I went through Blu-ray. I, I went through iTunes, and I finally made the decision <laughs> on this movie series. And the movie I'm going to be doing is Chicken Run, the greatest movie of all time. I think it's it's amazing. It's a good film, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> and um, but it's such a good film. And um, here here we are in in uh, we meet these group of chickens on a farm and they're trapped. These chickens have got a bit stuck. These chickens are trapped on the chicken farm where their destiny and their purpose in that farm is to lay eggs until basically, you know, they, 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 get, they get killed. And here we meet the Israelites, interestingly enough, who have got stuck in a desert. Now, two, two nations, different different animal, you know, different, different goals, different dreams, different hopes. But here we meet two generations and two different sets of people who are stuck. The question I want to ask ourselves this morning, and if you take one thing away, is how do we get unstuck? How do we progress on this journey? Now, is that physical as well as mentally? But this morning, how, 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 do, we, how do we get moving forward spiritually? How do we move forward? And so um, in this first scene, we're going to see um, the chickens are debating whether it's okay to um, escape or not. So here it is. Think, everyone, think. What haven't we tried yet? We haven't tried not trying to escape. Mm, that might work. What about Edwina? How many more empty nests will it take? Well, perhaps it wouldn't be empty if she'd spent more time laying and less time escaping. So laying eggs all your life and then getting plucked, stuffed and roasted is good enough for you, is it? It's a living. You know what the problem is? The fences aren't just round the farm. They're up here, in your heads. There's a better place out there, somewhere beyond that hill, and, and it has wide open spaces and lots of trees and grass. Can you imagine that? 
cool green grass. Oh, feeds us. We feed ourselves. Well, where's the farm? There is no farm. Then where does the farmer live? There is no farmer, Babs. Is he on holiday? He isn't anywhere. Don't you get it? There's no morning pig count, no farmers, no dogs and coops and keys, and no fences. In all my life, I've never heard such a fantastic load of tripe. Oh, face the facts, ducks. The chances of us getting out of here are a million to one. Then there's still a chance. So in this scene, we meet Ginger. Ginger's kind of the leader of the pack. Ginger's kind of the uh, Joshua of the pack. And here Ginger is really trying to inspire and motivate her friends to say, hang on, we need to get out of this. Hang on, this is not enough. Hang on, there's, there, there, there's more to this. And you know what Ginger does? She receives a challenge. She receives a challenge. I think if we go to, back to the passage, just reading the first two verses, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, on, on to verse two, and it says this, Moses my, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a challenge. That doesn't sound like something just popping off to the shops. You know, that sounds difficult. That sounds, that sounds hard. And, you know, after Moses dies, God comes to Joshua and calls him to possess the land. He calls him to bring his children and bring, bring his family and bring his people into, into freedom. And, you know, this isn't a decision to accept lightly. This is hard. This is difficult. This is painful. There's, there's you know, for, for a lot of these people and for these chickens as well, you know, there's death involved. And, you know, Ginger has been with these people for a while. Ginger knows the weaknesses and the strengths. And she knows if it's possible, you know, Ginger has enough trouble, you know, trying to escape herself. Nonetheless, you see the other chickens are pretty much doubting it as well, you know. So as well as trying to lead a generation over a fence, she's having to persuade and having to motivate them as well. People are satisfied living on that farm. You know, people are like, you know, this is life. You know, this is how it's got. But Ginger calls people and accepts the challenge, you know, that there's more. You know, Joshua is really, really interesting um, in this passage. And Joshua is, is, um, Joshua has known these people for a while now. You know, he's been in Moses' circle. He's, he's seen, you know, the, the, the big guy, you know, at work. And, you know, and, and, and Joshua takes it on. And how many of us and how many of us need to start taking challenges on? So there's stuff at the moment that may seem way too big. There's stuff at the moment that may seem way too large. I know I have stuff in my life. But it's when we look at that and we face it and say, God, can I really take that? God, can I really take that on? What does God do when he challenges us? He challenges, he calls us to stretch. 
What does God do when he challenges us? He causes us to stretch. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't think anyone's died from a stretch. Stretches are painful. They're hard work. You know, they, they, they're difficult. I don't know if you've been at the gym, but I've never heard of someone dying from a stretch. God is calling us and stretching us and saying, come on, receive the challenge. And if we sit lightly and we sit satisfied and we sit, you know, this is okay. I don't think we're going to move anywhere. The chickens will just live on this farm and there'll be generation after generation after generation. But Ginger decides and Joshua decides to accept the challenge. Um, so in the second, so in the second scene, we, we're going to meet um, a chicken who flies over, who crashes into the farm called Rocky, and Ginger has asked Rocky to teach his friends how to fly, and R- Rocky is kind of there. He doesn't really want to be there, but he's kind of found himself in this situation, um, and so you know, Ginger and Rocky at this point are arguing. You know, how do we lead people into this? And here it is. arrive in the barn, Bab stops laying but they don't take her to the chop and now they're giving us extra food. Don't you see what's happening? They're fattening us up. They're going to kill us all. Whoa, whoa. Heavy alert. <laughs> she didn't mean that, girl. Do you mind? Keep eating. Save some for me. What are you doing? How dare you? Let go of me. Listen, I've met some hard-boiled eggs in my day but I'd say you're about... 20 minutes. And what's that supposed to mean? It means you gotta lighten up. You see, over in America, we have this rule. If you want to motivate someone, don't mention death. <laughs> Funny. Over here, the rule is always tell the truth. Oh, hey, that's been working like a real charm, hasn't it? Here's some free advice. You want them to perform? Tell them what they want to hear. You mean lie. Oh, here we go again. You know what your problem is? You're difficult. Why? Because I'm honest. I care about what happens to them. Something I wouldn't expect a lone free ranger to know anything about. Hey, this is the way you show it. I hope you never care about me. I can assure you I never will. Good. Fine. So here we meet Rocky. Now, Rocky is in a really interesting position. There's a few things about Rocky, and obviously we can't shoot the whole film, even though that would be amazing. But um, So um, it would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> so here we meet Rocky, and Rocky's really interesting. Rocky has fallen into this. 
Rocky hasn't necessarily want to be in this. Rocky doesn't necessarily, you know, I think given the opportunity, Rocky would just leave. But Rocky finds himself trapped in a situation where he actually has to lead people with ginger. According to the chickens, he is that he is the only ability to help these chickens out of freedom. And, you know, I think up to this point, Rocky is really not that bothered. Rocky is really not, he says, you know, at the end, I'll probably escape on my own way. You know, for one chicken to get out of coop, it's probably not so much a problem. But to lead every single chicken over a fence, you know, Rocky thinks that's impossible. And, you know... and it's it's really really interesting that you know rocky rocky doesn't decide just to leave and after this conversation i think rocky sees the commitment ginger has to his people the second thing that joshua does and the second thing joshua sees from god is that he recognizes god's commitment in verse 5 it says this in the passage no one will be able to stand you against you all the days of your life as i was with moses so i will be with you I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, take into consideration all the things Moses have done to have a God that is with me, who is like Moses. I think that's pretty powerful. I, I, I don't know actually, you, but, uh, you know, you have stick and it moves waters and, you know, that's, that's great power, you know. But God is calling us to be with him like he's been with him. And, y- you know, Ginger gives the people what they need, but maybe not what they want. Ginger gives them the truth. Ginger gives them the facts. And, you know, I think sometimes that's like our relationship with God. You know, like every relationship, it's difficult, it's painful, but every relationship is, there's, there's purpose in it and there's prize and there's reward. And, and Ginger calls these people and says, you know, come on, you know, take stock, what's going on? And Ginger sees the passion she has for her people. Rocky sees the passion she has and he just steps back and he's like, wow. That commitment that Ginger has inspires him to go on and say, hang on, I, I want to be a part of this. Because Ginger recognizes, and because Rocky recognizes the sea's commitment of Ginger to the group of his friends, he can't choose to ignore that. In this passage, God shows us two different types of presence. The first presence God shows us is that it's a personal presence. God doesn't mention angels. He, do, he doesn't mention principalities or the Lord himself. Even when you see God, he is there. The people of Israel were willing to face the challenges ahead because God was with him. This was a personal present. He didn't call saints. He didn't call glories. It's simply, this is God and me. And the other presence he, he calls us in this passage, it's a permanent presence. It carries us the assurance that Joshua would never be left alone. God has given us his spirit to live in us so we won't be alone. God's presence becomes personal when we listen to him, when we encounter him, when we let him in. When we recognize God's commitment, and sometimes I think we need to take a step back, like at youth camp, we probably need to pick something up at the floor and say, God, I thank you for this. You know, I, I'm, J. John says, you know, what's, what are you thanking God for in the morning? You know, are you going to complain in your prayers in the morning? And, you know, we need to pray through difficult stuff, and we need to pray for healing, we need to pray for providers, we need to pray for protection. But I find it helpful, and this year I've really found it helpful in the midst of my darkness, is to say, God, what am I thankful for? God, what have you actually given me this year? You know, God, what are you doing in me? And when we see that, and when we actually see the commitment God gives us, like Ginger sees the commitment that, like Rocky sees commitment that Ginger gives his people, I think we get excited. 
And I think suddenly this big challenge, like on, on the first part, is like actually seems a lot smaller. It's beginning to recognize God's commitment because God's not going to leave us. He's the perfect God. Awesome. Um, so in our, thir- in our third and final clip, um, Rocky has actually escaped from the farm. Rocky has had enough. He says, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And this is, um, this is kind of the last scene and a bit before the last scene. So there's the big epic last scene cut out, which I'm, I really apologize for, but we don't have seven minutes. But, um, but Ginger has to make a response. And this is it. Oh, I'm the type of guy that likes to roll around. Ginger escapes and he has a decision to make and he sees this sign and um, the backstory is the people who run the farm have got tired of just slaying eggs and so they've decided they're going to go into the pie industry and they're going to start making the chick they're going to start making chicken pies and you know all those chickens are going to be a pie and you know this is the story and um, and Ginger's riding along and he sees a poster for this and he stops. And I think in this moment, Ginger has a decision to make. And Ginger's decision isn't necessarily, what am I going to do? But Ginger's decision is, what's my response to this? What is my response? I don't know about you, but in the last month or last six weeks, we've had a lot of things to respond to. We've had Brexit, we've had Nice, you know, a million of horrible things going on in the world right now. But how do we respond? How do we respond to people and how do we respond to getting out of a broken and a trapped place? All through the movie, Ginger claims to be this lone free ranger when actually inside he's this broken trapped ranger who's not really going in it, he's just going in circles. He's been on the run for years and years and he suddenly finds an out 
And does he choose to take it? It's a big out. It's a challenging out. He has to, he has to grab something. He has to stretch to get his out. But he makes a response. Now, the Israelites have been through a lot by this point. And Israelites have been through Moses and they've been stuck in this desert. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I think the Israelites at this moment are pretty annoyed. I think the Israelites have had enough, you know. You know, their life in Egypt, and if you, if you look back at it, you know, they were slaves, but they had homes, they, they you know, they had investment, you know, you know, they, they had jobs, and it may have not been the cleanest leave, living, but it was living. And instead, you know, how, how would it be if Richard took us all out and said, okay, guys, we're all going to go and live in a desert for six months? I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't think I'd last the first week, you know. But these, by now, these Israelites people must, must have been so hurt, so broken, so trapped, and saying, you know, what, what more can we do? And the Israelites people, like Rocky, are faced with a response. And the response they give is so humble. Verse 16, that, then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord God you be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, and you make commandment, they will be put to death. Only strong and courageous. The Israelites let go of the reputation they've had. The Israelites let go of everything they've happened and said, okay, I sacrifice. It's not a massive response. Sometimes our responses don't need to be jumping over a fence. Sometimes our responses, um, our responses don't need to be necessary, you know, massive on a grand scale. But how are we responding to God? How are we responding to our challenge? Are we responding with, are we responding angrily? Are we, are we responding with resent? I think we need to start responding humbly and we need to start responding saying, God, I, God, I sacrifice. God, I'm so open to you. You know, it's so often I think we get into the point in our lives where we do get stuck. We, where we, we do get to a point where we're broken and we're lost and we're hurt, but where is our response? Is it a response out of joy? Is it a response out of tears? But I think once we get to the point and we almost get on our knees and say, God, I just give this to you. Because when we get out the other stuff out the way and when we kind of get off the stage and when we say, God, just come and take place and you know, that's when he does his best. That's, that's when he does his utmost. That's when he can do his thing. You know, when Jesus went to heal other people, you know, Jesus even turned around to some of his disciples to and says, you know, do you actually believe I can do this? You know, because Jesus is looking for the Holy Spirit to come in and completely invade us. Now, invasions are messy. Invasions, there's wars, there's battles, there's, there's blood, there's sweat, there's tears. But, you know, it wipes out. Do you want your problem to be a little bit taken away or do you want it to be total taken away? Let's respond to God this morning. Let's respond. Shall we pray together? Lord, my God, I thank you so much for everyone here this morning and I thank you for the amazing life that we're able to leave, Lord. And I, I just pray for people this morning. They may be stuck. They may be hurt. They, they may be broken, Lord Jesus. But I just pray that this morning can just be a right step in the direction to start going on this spiritual journey. I pray, Lord, that we can start pushing stuff aside. Lord, I pray that we can push things out the way so that you can just come on to us. 
even as we leave this place this afternoon to go for lunch and to do things in the week, Lord, pray make your presence as apparent to us. Give us the confidence. Let us recognize your commitment. Let us receive the challenge. And most of all, Lord, let us just respond on our knees humbly and desperate for your presence. Amen.